BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Balance One podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger. And today I'm so excited about our guest. This guest I actually connected with after so many of you told me that you love her and that I need to have her on the podcast and I need to follow her and I would totally be friends with her. And you are all completely right. Today's guest is Kayla Nielsen. And we connected many months ago now after, like I said, I think I did a little question box on Instagram. Who do I need to meet? Who do I need to have on the podcast? And I got so many responses about Kayla Nielsen. And I checked her out and realized, how am I not already friends with her? We have so much in common, which we talk a lot about in this episode. She is a yogi and a podcaster. She is from Sacramento, California, just like me. Well, she's actually from outside of Sacramento, which you'll see we get into in the episode. And it's just so fun to meet people who are from your hometown because it's it's roots. Those are the people that really, really know where you grew up and know so much about the culture where you grew up and the experiences. So beyond growing up in Sacramento, Kayla and I have both healed from Lyme disease and have both been through the many ups and downs and the spiritual awakening and the journey that comes along with healing from a chronic illness. We have both had life-altering plant medicine experiences, which we talk about in this episode with everything from ayahuasca to cacao ceremonies and beyond. We also have some of the same angel numbers. And I mean, honestly, you guys, when you get into it, like the details are never ending. We were both English majors. We both went to college in Southern California. So needless to say, it was just so fun to connect and have a conversation with such a like-minded soul. Something that I'm really interested in that we talked about in this conversation is the intersection between sexuality and spirituality and spiritual awakening. Kayla is engaged to a beautiful woman and they're getting married soon. TBD with the state of the world, but they're getting married soon. They have their bachelorette coming up and we talk about her coming out and kind of how that was similar to coming out spiritually. And her take on it is just so interesting and so wise. And I'm excited for everyone to listen. I think so many people will be able to relate. So this was just 
this was just a convo. You'll see. This was like two friends talking, getting to know each other, catching up. We've been trying to plan this all summer. So the fact that it finally happened on this day was just meant to be because divine timing is a real thing. So you must check out Kayla. She has a retreat center that she's opening in Nicaragua. She has a podcast called The Walk Home and highly recommend listening to that. Highly recommend following her on Instagram on there. She is Kayla La Nielsen and you guys will love following her. She's such a fun follow. She's so open. She is also an incredible yogi, like I said. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Before we get into the episode, I would love to thank our sponsor for today's show, Sakara. If you're looking to change your diet instead of restricting what you eat, what if you nourish your body with the healthiest and most nutritious food? With Sakara, you're putting the best into your body so that you can feel amazing. If you want to feel better about what you eat, but you don't necessarily have time to prepare plant-based foods in the kitchen, healthy meals that also taste good with all the veggies, all the colors of the rainbow, with Sakara, you can reach those health goals without sacrificing taste or time. I can safely say I have probably tried every plant-based meal delivery service under the sun and Sakara is just unmatched for so many reasons. What I love specifically about Sakara is that their organic ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, so always vegan, and they're designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. They have a creative menu that changes every week with visiting chefs, so if you order every week, you will always get something different for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They have these incredible, innovative breakfasts. I'm always a fan of the breakfast, but I honestly love all of the meals. And along with their plant-rich meals, they also have their daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Experience the power of plants as medicine with their best-selling metabolism super powder made with organic raw cacao that works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. And right now only, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off of your first order when you go to sakara.com slash balanced and enter the code blonde20 at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash balanced to get 20% off of your first order. Sakara.com slash balanced and enter code blonde20. Now let's head into this episode with Kayla. Kayla. I'm so happy that you're here. We finally made this happen. We have been trying to make this happen for a while. And between your incredible trips to Peru and all over the place and me being pregnant and sick and all the things, we're finally here. Yeah, it happens divinely as it was meant to. Exactly. Exactly. It was so... So nice to just trust the process with this one and to know that when we finally connected, that it would be like this. It would just be so easy and on a day that's so beautiful and so meant to be. And I was telling you before we started recording, listening to your podcast is like a trip because (laughs) you're so similar. Everything that you are saying down to your ayahuasca experiences Mm -hmm. and Lyme disease and where we both grew up 
is so similar plus everything else. So both being an alpha fee, you know, like random little things along the way too. Alpha fee. Wait, where, where did you go to college again? San Diego state. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so wild. And so for everybody listening, we're both from Sacramento, from the Sacramento area. And where did you go to high school again? Ponderosa. Oh yeah. Ponderosa. So you were kind of out in nature area. Mm -hmm. That's so, so cool. Wow. I love it. So tell everybody who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff for everyone who might not know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's always such, I mean, I'm sure you feel this too when people are like, so who are you? What do you do? It's like, uh, where do I begin? I actually hate the question, <laughs> what do you do? I can't believe I just said that, but I kind of just meant like, tell us yeah. all the incredible things that you do. Right. No, I totally, I know what you mean. It's just, it's, it is so funny because it's hard to sum up in just one word, but Primarily, I'm a yoga teacher, so that is a, the basis of of most of what I do for work and also for joy. You know, that is really my heart's calling as well. So within that umbrella, you know, I have a presence online that is really focused around yoga, health, wellness, and travel. And I've also started a retreat business. So I've been teaching international yoga retreats for, I believe this is our seventh year now. So I've always had a really big, big emphasis and travel in my life as well. I I say that that has really been my first teacher before even yoga was, even though yoga has been in my life since childhood. I really, it was really only in this COVID era that it brought me back to the States. Other than that, I had been living all around the world for the last 10 years. And so now just kind of getting a taste of what it's like to be grounded and back in a place where I came from and in this very nested experience of being engaged. Like my life has just completely turned around so much in the last two years, but there are still so many parts of kind of my original self, you know, the traveling free spirited yoga teacher and all that is still definitely there, but there are so many other components that have been really nice to just kind of meet these different parts of myself recently too. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Wow. So going back to saying that you have had yoga in your life since you were a child, tell us more about that. I know your mom is a yoga teacher. Yeah. So how did you get introduced to yoga? Was she into it your whole life? I don't, not my whole life. From what I remember, I was 12 years old when I first took her class. And I'm not sure when she started teaching, actually, now that I think about it, how long before that she had been teaching. But She would teach at a gym. She was a fitness instructor, like quintessential 80s thong leotard type of situation going on. And that evolved into yoga in a more physical kind of realm of, oh, there's this new physical practice that you can do with your body. And it is beneficial compared to the more high intensity workout aerobic type of thing she was doing. So she used to teach at a gym and I used to go to her classes. They were 6 a.m. classes. I was 12. (laughs) So it's just kind of funny because not that I was a really spiritual kid or, you know, saw it in that way. I think it was just something that I wanted to do with my mom. And it was fun for me because as a child, you're flexible and malleable. And so I felt good at it. You know, it's fun to do stuff that you're good at. And from there, my relationship with yoga kind of ebbed and flowed. 
I know that you went through a similar stage, but like a heavy party stage in high school and also for me in college. And so at the time, the yoga was still kind of weaving in and out because I was always in sports and very physical, very in my body, love moving my body and exploring my body. But yoga didn't really become more of a holistic practice and a mind-body connection or introducing that meditation aspect into it until about 10 years ago. So it was more my early 20s. Before that, it was just a physical practice that kind of came and went. It wasn't super dedicated. Mm-hmm. It's, I love it. I relate. I'm probably going to yeah. say that a hundred times. <laughs> so everyone listening should just get used to it. <laughs> Similar experiences all the way. And in Sacramento, did you ever go to Zuda Yoga by chance? No, no, wow. I didn't really go down to Sac a ton. Mm-hmm. So you were up in like outgrowth. I was up in more Technically, my address was Placerville, but it was more Coloma. It was like really close to the river area. So out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I had no neighbors. We lived on a dirt road. It was in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Oh, I, yeah. Now I think it's cool. At the time, I, I did not think it was cool. <laughs> no, I'm sure at the time. I mean, back then, yeah, that would be so different in high school and childhood. But now I'm like, take me out. Take me out to nature. Put me in the middle of the woods, dirt road. I love that so much. My parents' best friends live in Auburn. And that's pretty close to Placerville, I think. And it's very rural and they have all these animals and space. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, Jonathan, what do you think of Auburn? I (laughs) I open a vegan restaurant and just live live this quiet life. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a little out there, but it's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The space and the animals, like you said, we grew up next to so many farms and all these things that in childhood, it felt all my friends lived in neighborhoods and could walk to their friends' houses or easily drive there, bike there, whatever. And we didn't have any of that. We were 20 minutes, even just from getting to school every day. So we were definitely the ones that were out, just not close to anything. Yeah. At the time it felt like a burden, which is why I wanted to go to San Diego. It was a big city, a huge school. San Diego State, it's a huge school. I was so, so social at the time and just wanted, wanted that. Of course, that's why I joined a sorority and was exactly. just heavily into partying and just loved being surrounded by people. And it's so funny even talking about that period now because I'm like who was that person exactly I was gonna say San Diego State must have felt like the center of the most metropolitan city or something after that so what was the whole party experience like for you we both went through that partying phase do you think there was a reason that you were so heavily into I don't know some of us do it for escaping ourselves Mm -hmm. that kind of thing yeah, I think, I mean, drinking, as we know, it's it's very normalized. So I think I had older friends too. And so I was kind of following their lead when it came to drinking. But looking back now and I'm like, oh, I was 12 the first time I got drunk. Like that is, I was a baby, you know? And I look at it so young now, so young. Yeah. And I think at that time it was, I like I said, I was very social and I just, I like to have fun. And I think that's more what it was. And as that evolved, it was more evolved into more drug use, like regular synthetic drug use. It was from Northern California at the time. It was culturally, there was this boom that was happening in pop culture, 
with specific rap artists that were from Northern California. It was a big emphasis, especially in ecstasy. So that all happened around my senior, junior and senior year of high school. And so again, it was very fun. And I think, you know, it started there, but then it, it quickly turned into chasing that high in a way to where it was a more addictive kind of tendency. And yeah, and that was all still in high school where I got pretty, you know, pretty sucked into it. And by the time I got to college, I was still partying a lot, but it was, it kind of, I felt like I got a lot of it out of my system in a way. I was really happy that I did go through it young. And although I was really in that scene and taking a huge toll on my body and having a lot of friction at home with my family, it never really affected my school. Or like I said, I was always in sports. I was doing these other things. So from the outside, I would say most people couldn't tell internally. I could feel that. And I felt a very deep dissatisfaction. And, and then my best friend ended up dying from an overdose when we were in college. And so that was definitely a really big wake up call for me. And it didn't make me stop partying altogether. I mean, I was still drinking. I think at that time it was, it'd be very odd if a 19 year old stopped drinking, you know, it's so normalized back then. So that was never even on my radar to even consider stop drinking until more recently. But yeah, it it kind of still ebbed and flowed from there. I completely stopped doing anything drug related for a really long time. And then slowly a little bit dabbled when I was in not the healthiest relationships and the environments that I were in was really conducive to partying and then had a really big turnaround in the last five years or so, which a lot of it was health related, but also spiritually as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's so normalized. It's so normal to just not just drink, but to binge drink and to drink so much alcohol. I remember being in college in Alpha Phi and my mom saying to me, I don't think we drank like you guys drink. My mom you know, said back the then. same thing. <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. And she's like, we were doing other things, but like it wasn't normal to drink that heavily. And I was just like, yeah, well, if everybody's doing it, then I'm sure it's fine. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's how we think of so many things. And there was never a thought in my head as well of stopping drinking or Mm -hmm. anything else. And then, yeah, same with the drugs. (laughs) I mean, growing up in like Sacramento, close to Davis, close to these places that are such centers for yeah type of stuff it was just such a huge part of my life as well until someone who i loved had a serious serious drug addiction he's still alive but it was a very tough time so i get it so you went to san diego and then what kind of introduced you and brought you into the more spiritual experience of yoga and then ending up traveling and starting your business? Mm -hmm. So I first, my first solo trip abroad was right after I graduated from college and I went to school to be a teacher. So I studied, did you also study English? Yeah. Yeah. So of course we have the same major. Best major. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. We had tiny classes. We would sit on the grass and just read poetry. I was like, this is college. I I love it. I miss those classes. I was just thinking what I would give to take some of those classes again, like playwriting, British literature, poetry, Mm -hmm. writing fiction, like spending your time just like up late 
up late in the library doing that stuff. I miss it. At yeah. the time, I was like, whatever, this is not fun. But now... I, see, I even liked it at the time. I found some of my favorite books from... I connected with my professors and we had really small classes, like I said. So I, even at the time, I loved it. But yeah, it would be, it'd be so fun to do again. Totally. Um, so I went to school to be a teacher. And when I graduated, I didn't really want to jump right into teaching into American classrooms. And so I took a teaching bra job abroad and I taught in Ghana for a semester and I went there by myself. It was my first time traveling alone. Also very, this was 11 years ago now. So very different as far as connectivity and just accessibility. Like I was really cut off from everything for three months during that semester. And oh my gosh, I remember flying there and just almost having a panic attack. Like, what am I doing? I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know where I'm going. (laughs) Why am I doing this? Um, And it ended up being, you know, a decision that it completely changed the trajectory of my life. And I still love teaching at the time. And I, I just didn't love the idea of teaching in an American classroom with the curriculum and And even, and same with me, like you said, you know, you don't really appreciate your education in America, the way that teaching in other places, education is truly a gift. It's a privilege, especially the older you get, if your parents are still paying for you to go to school, like it is a big deal. So the way the students show up is so different. And I just, I love the process of it. I loved the travel element of it. I love being completely outside of my comfort zone and it instilled a lot of confidence in me of just being able to do things totally on my own and in a way different way than any of my friends or family were doing at the time. So I came back after that experience and then I ended up getting in a relationship that ended up being very abusive. And this is kind of when I was saying I dipped back into the whole party phase and sort of moved backward, even though in my mind, I wanted to get out of the States. I knew that I wanted to travel and definitely I wanted to really pursue this new kind of concept that I, I didn't have a concrete idea, but I knew that that's what I wanted. And I needed to come back to the States to work and save as much as possible. So I was a bartender at night and a nanny during the day. <laughs> I was working a lot. And in this relationship that I said, you know, ended up being really abusive and it ended on the night of my 24th birthday. I ended up in the hospital. He got arrested and it again changed sort of everything. I ended up being involved in a nine month long trial against this person. And it was this whole, that was really the thing kind of hitting that rock bottom moment. Like, how did I get here? How did I end up in this situation? And really the biggest thing for me was that I no longer trusted myself. I didn't trust my judgment because how can I end up in a relationship like this where I knew it was wrong the whole time it was happening. If someone is physically or mentally or emotionally hurting you, but especially physically hurting you, it's very overt. It's very obvious that that is wrong. And I overrode my intuition for almost two years. And it is, uh, I know you talked to India on your podcast and I have also, we've formed a friendship and a relationship too. And very, very similar. It's a being an abusive relationship as cult experts call it is a one-to-one cult. It's a very similar mind control pattern that happens. And you, when you're constantly overriding, overriding, overriding your intuition is really what it is. It allows you to reprogram your brain. And it was really scary coming out of that. Like you don't even recognize yourself. How was this my mind? How did I make these choices? 
And that was really a big catalyst for me to drastically change something and dig deeper and understand myself more. I left again, taught in Kenya and Uganda. And the really kind of pivotal moment for me when it was, this is, I would say more when I, I say when I first found my breath and when meditation became a part of my practice beyond just Shavasana at the end was when I was in Uganda, that's when I got African tick bite fever. So it's the African version of Lyme disease. And for me, I was, it was very obvious when it happened. I got bit by the tick. I got super sick, got the rash all over my body, ended up going to the hospital. And when I was going to the hospital, because the infection had then gotten to my bloodstream, I couldn't walk. I was my, you know, my blood was poisoned at this point. They were taking me to an ambulance in the hospital. I was in so much pain and just kind of in and out of consciousness again by myself. And I just remember hearing the sound of my breath and really counting my breath and thinking for the first time, like, oh, this is what it means to breathe. Like, this is actually keeping me alive right now. It's giving my brain something to think about. I have to breathe for a four hour ambulance drive into the Capitol. And all I was focusing on my was my breath. And that kind of changed again, everything for me, as far as opening up this portal into meditation, into breathing, into having a near-death experience for the second time in one year, the first time being the night with my ex and leaving my body, seeing my body from above in that experience and having that happen two times in a matter of one year. It just, of course, how can that not shake you and wake you into, okay, what is going on? What is the spirit world about what is like I said how do I rebuild this trust with myself how do I dig deeper and it really just kind of shifted my path again into first a more holistic yoga practice and then that deepened into beyond beyond yoga and the mat as you know mm-hmm. realms beyond mm-hmm. yeah yeah the near-death experience stuff especially when it happens multiple times back to back i believe so much is the universe speaking to us trying to wake us up wake up in a big yeah. way like if you're not gonna listen in all these other little ways then you have to do this and mm-hmm. i totally get that and it's amazing that you started listening and you use that really traumatic experience in Africa as a portal to meditation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been the opposite. It could have been like, oh my God, that was, you know, just disassociate from your body because that's so painful and so scary. And I also think with, you know, with a lot of what you went through in that abusive relationship, do you think that that ties into chronic illness later in your life, Lyme disease and all of these things that, you know, you've been healing from? Because yeah. I think there's a huge correlation. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that because of course I'm, you know, a huge believer in the mind-body connection and think about different traumas in the body, but that specifically, I haven't ever thought of truly of the connection between those two and yeah, how closely they were, how closely they landed within six months of each other. So I'm sure that there is a connection. And in, you know, my ayahuasca ceremonies and other psychedelic ceremonies, I really feel those things in my body where I touch a certain part of my body and I feel all the stories that were are stored there and all the trauma that's stored there. And 
you know, I don't know if it's from the relationship specifically, but it was more breaking that trust with myself. Like I said, overriding my intuition, which is all of our greatest superpowers and just throwing that out the window for so long was a huge disservice to myself. So it still is a constant, a constant work for me to rebuild that connection to myself, even now, even, I mean, that was nine years ago, <laughs> a long time ago, and it's still work for me. To yeah. Work through that. yeah. It's one of the biggest things. And I, I think it's a daily practice, mm-hmm. even for those of us who are so connected to our intuitions, it's a daily practice to maintain that relationship mm-hmm. with yourself. Okay, guys, I want to tell you about some pants that I'm loving so much right now that I'm not kidding you. I had a dream about these pants last night. I would not make that up. In the dream, someone was pulling my beta brand yoga pant dress pants out of my dresser drawer and saying, oh my God, where can I get these? And we were remarking on how soft they are and how comfortable. And I was raving about them in my actual subconscious dream state. So Needless to say, I'm quite happy that I can tell you about them here on the podcast as well. So if you're like me and you are a busy person who wants to look polished and put together, but you really want to stay comfy and you're a yogi at heart or a fitness lover at heart, you are going to love Beta Brand. Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are designed with the fit and flexibility of yoga pants, but they look like professional dress pants. They're so amazingly soft and stretchy. They're completely effortless. All you have to do is throw a pair on, add a cute top, and you'll be set with style and comfort for your whole day. They have so many different styles to choose from, from straight legs, skinny, cropped, bootleg, and more. I'm a fan of the skinny. I just love the classic skinny in black because that's the kind of girl I am. I just need a bunch of black yoga pants and I'm set to go. But if you're more of a denim person, they even have denim, they have colors, and they're always coming out with new and cute styles. They are perfect for whatever you need to get done, whether you're sitting at a desk, working with kids, teaching yoga, being a photographer, whatever it is, you're going to look great and feel amazing doing it. They also have pockets. I know I'm not the only person who loves pockets, so we're talking comfort and function. So check them out. Make sure that you check out Beta Brand's ultra-flattering tops, skirts, dresses, and more while you're there. But the dress pant yoga pants are my thing, and they are just the tip of the iceberg. Right now, our TBB listeners can get 30% off of their Beta Brand orders when you go to betabrand.com slash blonde. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash blonde for 30% off your order for a limited time. And when you use our special URL, you're supporting our show as well, which means so much to me. So discover what it's like to be comfortable and feel amazing all the time. Go to betabrand.com slash blonde for 30% off. Enjoy. The reason I asked that question is because once I started to really dive into what are the reasons that I got so sick with Lyme, there were so many emotional reasons and past and history, relationships, memories, really difficult, difficult things and these stories that live in our bodies. It's fascinating to dive into it all. And did you feel that it was all yours or was it also stuff that was passed down to you either ancestrally or from past lives? 
Both very ancestral. I mean, I think kind of stuff that I've been through in this lifetime was maybe like 40% of it. And then so maybe 30% and then much more was the ancestral mm -hmm. stories living in my DNA, specifically from my dad's side of the family and working through these things and realizing these tendencies have been playing out in everyone in my family for a long time and mine just happened to be physical. And mm. so it's kind of a gift and a curse for it to be so physical because you can heal the physical body, but you have to experience so much pain. You can't ignore it. Like maybe other people, you know, in my family at least are like, I'm never going to deal with that because they're not in physical pain. So yeah, that's huge. And then past lives, so many past lives, specifically a past life of being in a cult and oh, really? forced to take this like drug or medicine or whatever it was probably like the more that I learn about it, the more that I think it was very much like a witch hunt type of thing, like captured as someone who's very powerful, like a witch and then drugged and um, medicated. And that was like, oh. My first ayahuasca experience was the memory of that and thinking that it was happening to me again. So uh -oh. I had like an exorcism and purged all of that from my body and released so much pain. Mm -hmm. And that was just a window into, holy shit, actually this life is so good and we are so lucky to be here. But yeah, we're definitely working through those things. So that brings me to, I definitely want to talk to you about your ceremonies with ayahuasca and even cacao. I mean, I've heard you talk about all these things. So tell us like, what got you into plant medicine? Just like me, I know you were like, I'm not interested in drugs. I've already done that. Mm -hmm. And then you realized this is not a drug. This is a medicine. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, the first time I ever like I said, growing up in Northern California, so even something like weed, super normalized there. It was very accepted too, I would say even more so than alcohol. So plant medicine, working with plants was kind of always there. Not intentionally, of course, not in an intentional way, definitely not in a ceremonial way by any means, but same with mushrooms. I know that I had tried mushrooms in, in high school, but always with the the intention was just to get as fucked up as possible. That was the intention, you know? So exactly. not, and it, and when you do that as for me, especially with mushrooms, I mean, mushrooms for me, I have the most intense response to out of it and almost more than ayahuasca, I would say. So when I go into it with that intention of when I was younger, it kind of freaked me out even more because when you're drinking and mixing and you have some crazy experiences. And so I, even more so by the time, it did circle around to hearing about it in the more spiritual realm. I was like, oh no, I don't want that. You know, it was so intense for me back then. I Same. don't want that. <laughs> yeah. When when Jonathan, like three or four years ago, when we were dating said, I want to do mushrooms with you in Joshua Tree and have this beautiful spiritual experience. I was like, hell no, <laughs> I have no interest. Absolutely not. And of course, you know, it ended up being like one of the best experiences I've ever had, mm -hmm. but I was so anti from mm -hmm. high school, which by the way, we would have had so much fun together Yeah, <laughs> um, because at the time it was all fun 
And also like, thank God we're alive because I know. <laughs> fixing all those things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think about that all the time because just back to what you said of your mom saying that my mom said the same thing. And I kind of brushed her off as mom, you're just being a mom, you know, don't be a buzzkill and you're being overprotective. But it's true when you think about just like the sheer quantity that we were consuming, it can be lethal. And so it is something I feel grateful about, like you said, just to be alive. And it is a miracle that I'm not, I didn't experience more sickness than I have, even just from that time period alone. But anyway, so what kind of it drew me into plant medicine was I'm trying to think of the very beginning. Ayahuasca had been in my realm just from being in the yoga world and hearing people talk about it never sounded appealing. And then I had this experience when I was in a yin yoga class, just a random class. And I guess I was just in a really deep meditative state and had this moment, which at the time I, I did not know what was happening, but after having now drunk ayahuasca and stuff, and you realize that time isn't linear and it's all happening at once. It, that's what was happening. I didn't realize that at the time, but I was in whatever pose I was in. I don't even remember and just had this knowing I am in an ayahuasca ceremony right now and had this feeling of just being completely held. Like ayahuasca was just holding me in the palm of her hands. And I had never experienced anything like that and came out of the class. I was, I was freaked out. I didn't know what it was. I was like, what? Like, what was that? I don't know. But it just, it did kind of shift something in me to where I didn't want to seek it out. I wasn't at the point where I was, I'm going to find a retreat. I'm going to do this. But I was just a little bit more open to it. I think a year later, so ended up in Joshua Tree with a friend, had a similar experience where part of the place where we were staying, I guess the woman who owned it held ayahuasca retreats there and ceremonies there. We didn't know that at the time. And I went in the space. It was this big, beautiful dome and I was doing yoga and she did hula hoops. So we were just both doing our movement meditation practice. And you could feel the energy of the space was just palpable. And we came out and felt this as if we just emerged from a womb feeling. And we're like, what was that? What was, we didn't know that that's what she held in that space. And then we found out later and had the same feeling of, oh, if that woman was here right now, we would say yes. So it was starting to open up more and more. And then the, the full opening was then in a cacao ceremony. So I was in a cacao ceremony in Bali. I think it was my first cacao ceremony too. And I, even with that, I was kind of skeptical, like, what are we just going to drink hot chocolate? Like how, how big could it really be? It's just cacao, you know? And still to this day, I've never done a cacao ceremony without crying. And I'm not even a big crier, but it just right away, you just everything is open and it's so ooey gooey right into the heart and had a similar feeling of that yin class, which at that point was about five years before. So this was over a long period of time and just had this knowing of, oh, I, I'm going to Peru next month. And I, I had plans for the next month. I was not supposed to be anywhere near Peru. And just had this knowing, oh, I'm going to Peru and I'm doing an ayahuasca ceremony next month. And that's what happened. The next month I was in Peru and it, it, it did end up working out. But my first, my first retreat was really, really intense. It was, I mean, it blows you open in the best way, but also a very disorienting way as well. So I took two full years to integrate that first retreat until doing my second more recently. Mm. 
Very smart. <laughs> integration process is so important. I feel like I'm still integrating all oh, yeah. the ceremonies and being pregnant and kind of taking a break from all that. Um, I miss it. And I also think this is such a beautiful time to integrate because so many things continue to come up. And like you said, you realize that time is not linear and time is not what we thought it was. So you can travel back to those ceremonies and, and remember and unlock those memories. Wow. Mm -hmm. And cacao, yeah. cacao is very powerful as well. And I think for everyone listening, people who are just not interested in the deeper experiences of ayahuasca and even psilocybin, cacao oh. is so beautiful. And it's really beautiful. not, it's really not psychedelic, um, but somehow it is. Mm -hmm. And at least it has been for me. And when we did, oh, you're doing your bachelorette in Tulum, right? In Kauai. Oh, in Kauai. Oh yeah. Okay. That's going to be amazing. That's what we talked about. <laughs> so I did mine in Tulum and um, that's why I was just like, oh, we do <laughs> everything assumed the same. It was the same yeah. yeah. We did a cacao ceremony and it was pretty much everyone's first experience of that type of plant medicine or any plant medicine actually for everyone there, except for me. And I kept saying to the shaman, there's nothing psychedelic in here, right? Because these, you know, this group is not down with that at all. And he didn't speak English that well. And he was just like, yeah, no, it's just cacao. And there was something we have no idea to this day, like THC, or maybe it was just a true, true, true heart opener, or maybe there was something else um, because everyone was cracked open, mm. crying, People were seeing their angels around them. I was seeing their angels around them to the point where I could tell each person, okay, you're psychic, you're a witch, you're this, your grandma's here. And it was just so powerful. Wow. So yeah, cacao, cacao is amazing. And I love that you did it in Bali. Mm -hmm. Bali is so special. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a different, there's a totally different energy with the cacaos that you work with, the cacao that is grown in Bali, completely different energy to cacao from Peru or Guatemala. And that's really what I've been kind of fine tuning lately is connecting to the actual spirit of the plant. So for instance, when I got really sick again earlier this year and had a really bad flare up and just anything stimulating was not an option for me. So something like cacao, I could not consume it because it is a stimulant. And I did a few cacao ceremonies, never actually consumed it, but just sitting with the drink, connecting to the spirit of the plant, connecting to cacao as just her truest nature is, oh, it's so, so beautiful. And it's just, it's even more subtle and even more gentle and nuanced. And it just feels sometimes that really subtle connection can have a bigger depth than just getting blasted open with ayahuasca. Because like I said, that's very disorienting too. And having those subtle connections of just connecting to the spirit of the plants is so, I am really enjoying kind of getting deeper into that recently. Yeah. Yeah. I have had a similar experience of realizing that the gentle experience with the medicine can be just as powerful, if not more powerful. Mm -hmm. 
So what has been, would you say, one of your biggest takeaways or biggest learnings from plant medicine? Oh, such a good question. I mean, the biggest, the biggest and constant that I'm always, always working with is just the trust and surrender combo. <laughs> because it's, you know, when you're in that state, this is why I personally don't believe in a bad trip. You can have a really painful trip. It could be very difficult, but you know, even those really, really dark ones, like you're saying, you had an exorcism. That's about as dark as it can get, but you, the feeling after and the way it changed your perspective and, you know, even the scariest trips have so many gifts to offer us. So that, that constant of trusting the process and then surrendering into the process, I think will be a forever for me as someone that tends to like to plan and control. And I'm very structured and earthy and Taurus and all of these things. So yeah, that, I think that is a, a forever practice for me. And then having to a lot of healing around body image healing. A lot of mine has come from more my mom's side of the family. I know you were talking about your dad's. And I think too, just understanding even what it means to be in a relationship with a plant. Like if so, if someone told me that even five years ago, I would just be like, they're a little, little crazy. What does that even mean? And now I love it. I cherish it so much. And it's just been, it's been an entirely new journey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's it's a lifelong journey in that way because these medicines just have so much to teach us. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your experience healing from Lyme. And you've also had this African tick bite, which, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the healing is like from that, but I know with similar things like tick-borne relapsing fever and Babesia and all these other things that I have, it is so hard to get all of that out of your system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so like I said, my tick bite was nine years ago now. So it was a long time ago. And even though I had that extreme reaction. And when I did come back to the States a few months later, and I had showed my doctor there just a photo of my bite and the rash and everything. And she said, you had African tick bite fever. And that was it. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I didn't know what that was. I just thought it was a one-time thing. I didn't know it could be long lasting. I didn't. And I really didn't even start putting that together until about three years ago. So having it for six years before I realized that, oh, I'm being hospitalized every year for these kind of mystery illnesses and these random things, parts of my body just shutting down. And like I said, I was traveling that whole time too. So living in remote part of the Philippines, I lived in Kenya for a while. I'm living in these places. So most people were attributing it to that. And oh, if you just came back to the States, it would be fine. But I knew that it wasn't that. And I started realizing oh, all of this started happening after that tick bite in Africa. I had never before been a sick person or hospitalized yearly, let alone multiple times per year. So the, my real healing from it didn't start until about three years ago. And that was when I had stopped drinking alcohol. I had been vegan for a long time. I've been a vegetarian my whole life and transitioned into veganism, I think about, 
maybe 10 years ago, but you know how you can, you can be vegan and not necessarily be the healthiest kind of vegan. So that's kind of how I was of just still enjoying a lot of things and didn't know a whole lot about just foods that can be inflammatory, even, even if it's vegan and a quote unquote healthy food, but can it be inflammatory? And how does my body actually respond to different foods that are still in the vegan umbrella? So I had to experiment a lot with a way of eating that worked for me, which is now, I mean, pretty much exactly how you eat, you know, just very close to the source, whole, not a lot of fancy additives or just all of the extra stuff. It's just simple whole foods. And that's my body thrives with that. But it it did take a while to, and even still now, my friend actually just asked me today because she always calls it when I'm purging, you know, it, you can tell when your body has those bad flares and it just is expelling whatever it doesn't want in there. And she asked me, do you, do you still feel like you're purging? And I was like, honestly, I haven't felt that way for a while. I mean, I had a really big turnaround just this year with I did a physical treatment that helped a lot. I don't know if you've heard of EBO2. It's a kind of dialysis that, so they take all the blood out and then they inject ozone and then they treat it with blue light and with red light and then put your blood back in. So it's kind of like cleaning your blood and putting it back in. And so I did quite a few of those treatments back to back and it made a huge difference. I got a new therapist that is also a channel and an intuitive. And so, you know, she's really supporting my mental health, but we, I could talk to her about anything and we connect spiritually as well. I have another spiritual kind of guide that I work with that really supports my spiritual health. And then also doing my second ayahuasca retreat. So all of those together, it kind of, which all happened around March to May of this year. And since then I've just felt healthy, like something has changed and I know, you know, that feeling where all of a sudden it's kind of like, whoa, I feel, I feel good. And, and that it wasn't just from those things. It was three years of work leading up to that of so many different, like I said, modifications of the diet, having to figure things out the hard way of thinking something is going to work for you. And then all of a sudden you're bedridden from eating one nut or something just so yes. simple. Yes. Oh. I so get it. And the stress that comes from that too, because then I just started, I started feeling a lot of fear and stress around food specifically because I was so afraid that I would eat something that my body would reject. And like you said, you're in a lot of physical pain. So you're trying to avoid feeling pain, mm-hmm. but you need food to live. And it was this, and also, you know, if you're eating something and you're stressed out the whole time you're eating it, then you're consuming that stress and that fear too. So of course it's going to come out in some way. And so it was really, it was a lot of different components. There was a lot of physical healing that happened with different treatments. 10 million blood work panels and all of these things and blood cleanings and different treatments like that, that I was doing, but it was a lot of, I would say mental and spiritual work that helped me navigate the process with a little bit more grace and trust and surrender. Those same, those same principles I was talking about before that has, I think, allowed me to stay in the healing process in a more grounded and truly nourishing way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all goes so hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to find a way to answer a question that came to me a couple of days ago, which was like, you know, how to be vegan without having um, these food, these obsessive tendencies. And mm-hmm. the question was more like directed toward me and my journey. And I just so wanted to say to this person, 
when you're in so much physical pain and you're trying to heal yourself through so many different modalities, but food is one of them. It just becomes about feeling good and it becomes about survival. And there's no unhealthy obsession with being healthy when you're bedridden all the time and food can help you feel better. So I know that you get that. And it's such an interesting place to be because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who feel good in their bodies all the time, they think, well, why be whole food, plant-based, vegan, SOS free and gluten-free, yeah. blah, blah. You know, that's so restrictive. That's kind of what some people would yeah. say. But I try to remind people it's the opposite of restrictive yeah. when it gives you your life back. Mm-hmm. And unhealthy actually is eating these foods that are poisonous to our body. Everybody's body is different. Yeah. And when you did that episode with Jenna about food and you guys were talking about that and how, of course, that's a very common response of that's so restrictive. These are all the things you can't have. And you saying, actually, I feel like I have total food freedom under that umbrella of all those things I can't have. And that's exactly how I feel. It's that I genuinely enjoy what I eat. I find joy in making food. I find joy in eating food. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because my experience in my body, I feel healthy and vibrant and whole again. Whereas if I ate something that didn't align with that, then I'm going to feel sluggish and brain foggy, maybe even bedridden. Like, why would I want? That's kind of same with alcohol. Why would I want that? Yeah. I just, I don't want to feel that way. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's just so nice to meet other people who understand that and who feel that way. And I know there's so many of us out there and probably so many people listening, but every time I hear it, I just feel like, yes, I, that's how I feel. I get it so much. True. Yeah. It's, it's, you're really eating out of celebration for your body. It's not a punishment place. I'm not restricting my body. I'm celebrating it and I'm celebrating its health. That's the way, that's the way that I wanted to answer that question. And it was just on an Instagram Q and A. And I was like, I can't, I can't get into this right now because- (laughs) Too much to type out. (laughs) So I don't want to be defensive, but it's like so important to me. So- Okay, so most of us could use some more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. And if you're like me, you're super sensitive to caffeine, especially after the morning. So truly it can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root causes of our fatigue. It turns out two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and lack of nutrition. So let's talk about something I've found that's really helping, Organifi. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms, which you know we love, to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. You simply mix a scoop into water or the plant-based milk of your choice and enjoy a natural boost at any time of day. I'm such a fan of Organifi because they offer all plant-based nutrition with high-quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. Their mission is to unite the world through health and happiness by providing access to high-quality nutrition, education, and community. They are not just a nutrition company. They are a full lifestyle probably my favorite product, but they have so many, which you guys have to check out. I know that you will love. My very favorite is the Organifi Green Juice. With the Organifi Green Juice, you can start your day with essential superfoods 
foods that help to reduce stress and reset your morning. It contains a clinical dose of ashwagandha and helps to support healthy cortisol levels, which can aid in weight management. There are 11 superfoods in the green juice for resetting the body and feeling amazing. It takes 30 seconds. You don't have to shop or chop or juice or blend anything. And it's also really, really helpful for stress. I know you guys will love it. It has chlorella, ashwagandha, moringa, and more. And they have so many amazing products, you guys. They have their gold chocolate. They have a ginger drink. They have Organifi Glow. So whatever you're looking to do, whatever you're looking to boost in your body and your system and your mind is going to be enhanced by Organifi. I know that you will love it. So you can use the discount code BALANCED for 20% off when you go to Organifi.com slash balanced. And I know you guys are going to love how cute it is when you go to Organifi.com slash balanced because they put up a cute photo of me. They have all my favorites. And then they have that code there, BALANCED, for 20% off all products. Let me know what you think when you try them. Tag me on your Instagram and enjoy. But something that you mentioned, first of all, I feel like I need to get your therapist's number from you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she sounds phenomenal. And um, you've been so open about your mental health and healing that struggle, depression and all of that. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit more about that journey. Yeah, so... Well, it, this actually does kind of loop back to that initial, you know, introducing to plant medicine before I, I would have even known to call it that. But specifically after my abusive relationship, I had really bad PTSD. First and foremost, I was having really bad night terrors because I was having flashbacks of that night itself and couldn't sleep very well. And then when you have poor sleep quality or just don't want to sleep because you're afraid to sleep, then that is adding to the already existing depression and anxiety and everything was building. And all of the doctors I went to, of course, wanted to put me on Xanax and Ambien and all of these things to what they thought would help. And I knew at that time, like I said, I do have a kind of addictive personality. I was in a really low place. It was not a good idea for me to take Xanax because that could have gone very south. I don't think that that is the same for everyone, but for me, that's that's how it felt at the time. And my family doctor had also in the meantime, become a naturopath. And so he had put me on this mix of supplements. And it was the first time that I was actually prescribed medicinal mushrooms. And this was 10 years ago before it was the way that it is now, where you could just get four sigmatic at the store, you know, it's everywhere. So I was like, mushrooms, like what? Why am I taking? And they were, I remember they were so expensive too, taking little mushroom capsules and because they weren't as common, but it helped so much just with my overall it was brain health really is what it was. And I would say that was really an introduction into plant medicine without me realizing that it was, but that was, I mean, so something like that, that was a very obvious moment in time where my mental health was suffering. I was going to therapy and I, like I said, I still work through that now, still work through some of those patterns, but even younger than that, I remember always having dips. And to the point that when I was young, knowing like this isn't of course, people feel sad and you feel low, but I could feel that something, it felt different than maybe a standard, just kind of sadness. So, you know, mental health and mental illness, it runs in my family. My dad's mom is schizophrenic or she was schizophrenic. She's passed away. And so there's always an emphasis too in my family of making sure that you are on top of your mental health 
to make sure that you are safe essentially. So it's kind of also always been something we've talked about, which I think, you know, is a blessing in some ways, but also realized that it kind of gave me this complex of, I had a lot of fear around it too. Am I going to turn schizophrenic one day? It was this, as if it was this big, bad thing that I could potentially be. So yeah, it's been something that I have been constantly working with. I've never actually been medicated or accepted medication. And like I said, not that I think that's wrong for everyone, but for me, it's never felt like the right fit. And it's just been a constant ebb and flow. One of my favorite modality is also something that I was first introduced to by my mom. She used to go to acupuncture when we were kids. And when I was struggling with hormonal things and anxiety, depression, different weird flare-ups that were happening, started going to acupuncture also about nine or 10 years ago. And that to me is my go-to. I love my acupuncture. She's also kind of like my therapist. She knows everything because they treat you holistically, mind, body, spirit. And yeah, I would say that's kind of my go-to. And then also just sharing about it. I think similar to you writing about it and sharing about it is really, really therapeutic. Talking about it with people who understand, people who don't understand and just normalizing it a little bit more. Being able to identify even just in my body where I feel certain emotions and the depth of, okay, am I sad or am I on the brink of this maybe being a real rut and just getting to understand myself better so that I can be a little bit more proactive for when those ebbs and flows are coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing so many good things for your health and for your mental health. And it's such a journey. Something when you were talking that I remembered was during that whole exorcism, when I had my ayahuasca ceremony, the past life that I went back to that I was talking about with being medicated and all this stuff, I was schizophrenic in that lifetime. I think if that's even like the right label. When you Um, were saying, when you were first talking about it, that's what I was thinking is, oh, oh, I was like, having these memories of being pinned down by six Mm -hmm. people trying to contain me kicking and screaming and pulling their hair out and disassociated from my body, multiple personalities. Mm -hmm. It was, and and I was there in this ayahuasca ceremony for centuries. So it's not just something that I saw a glimpse of. It's like, oh, I could tell you all about it. Like Mm -hmm. I could tell you all about living that life. It was so scary and it definitely gives me so much compassion if I didn't have it before for people who are struggling with that type of mental illness. And I'm still not sure the purpose, the total purpose, because like I said, I'll be integrating forever of experiencing that again, other than yeah, everything, because it all ties into <laughs> everything. And just everything that you're saying is so important. Just being on top of your mental health and it sounds like your family is so supportive of alternative medicine and exploring all the different healing modalities. So that's so beautiful. And you're such a good writer and you're so good at sharing on the internet, which is why you have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who love to follow you and see what you're doing. So 
It's amazing. That is, I mean, I know you'll relate to this, but that's the best compliment anyone could give you when they say you are an amazing writer. I love your yeah. writing. It's like, oh my gosh, really? Yeah, <laughs> it's like why thing. we came to this earth as English. Yeah. Speakers. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's all, it's all I care about. And I can tell that it's, it's at the top of your, your list as well. So special. And it's so true. You're such a good writer. Thank you. Yes. So I also want to hear about your relationship Mm -hmm. with your fiance. So what I'm super curious about, and I don't know this about you yet, is she your first relationship with a woman or had you already been with women before? Like, how did you come out? All of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, so funny because again, I well, we're staying with our friends right now. So when I say I was just talking to my friend, it's because we're living together right now. But she was just saying like, yeah, you are still coming out. You have to remember that, you know, when I, when I am hard on myself on some things that are just going on, you know, externally and within the relationship. So I guess technically I'm still coming out and technically, yes, she is. You know, she's the first woman that I've publicly been with. I have had experiences with women before her. And to me, the curious thing was I never felt like I was hiding a part of myself because in real time, if if we were out, if I saw a woman that I liked, then maybe I'd pursue her. If I saw a man that I liked, maybe I'd pursue him. I never felt like I was hiding it. My friends at the time would see. Also, no one ever asked me. No one ever said like, hey, are you gay or are you bi? No one either seemed to care or maybe they thought it was a phase. I don't know what they thought. So I was never really confronted with any questions to the point that I felt like I have to define myself. I have to come out. And I had also never dated a woman. So I'd maybe seen a woman casually, but never committed. And not because they were a woman or not. It was just the place where I was at. I was enjoying being single, something like that. So similar, even with my family, that if it was a guy that I was just kind of casually seeing and hooking up with, you're not going to tell your parents, you know, you don't really tell them until there's something to say. And that was how it had been with men, but also with women. And so Alex, the the person that I'm with now is the first woman that it's like, yeah, there's something to say, you know, of course we're engaged now. So there's something to say. I have to, and, and now at this time too, having a large platform and feeling like, oh, I, do I have to announce this? How do I do this? I don't know. And I thought about it for a little while and I just said, I'm not really going to kind of entertain this whole, it has to be a certain way and it has to be this coming out. I just introduced her online the same way that I would have a new guy I was dating. I'm just like, oh, this is my person now. And didn't really want, I, at the time too, didn't necessarily identify or label as anything. I didn't, I hadn't really thought about it. I just like different people. So very recently I've now identified as bisexual and realize that that is not just a phase that can't be who you are. Uh, that took a while to get to that point. But yeah, so my coming out process was relatively smooth. Um, I mean, there were, of course, some people online and still some people online that say stupid stuff and my close family. So my parents, my parents knew before I said anything to Alex and I, we met in Nicaragua and we were surfing and playing and just, you know, doing all this stuff together and posting a ton on our stories. And my parents were like, are you dating this person? And I was like, no, we, we nothing had happened. In my mind, she was just my friend. And they were just like, you know, we'll love you no matter what. And I was like, I'm not dating her. What are you talking about? So they saw it before I 
saw it in some ways. They were great. My brother's great. And now with us being engaged and planning this wedding process, some of the friends side of things have really started to reveal that it hasn't been so great and not as accepting as I initially thought. And that's been really hard, especially the last couple of months of just, I mean, some people that I've been friends with for 15 years, just the only thing they've ever said about our relationship is that it's weird, you know, things like that to where, because it, they can't get past seeing me with a woman. So it has been hard in some ways, definitely. And there's all, there's little moments throughout the day. You know, people say this all the time, you constantly come out. It's not a one-time thing, even just going to the doctor, going to the dentist, going anywhere in public. If someone sees a ring on your hand and then they say, oh, what does your husband do? Or, you know, it's just a constant correction, a constant coming out to strangers all the time. And yeah, so I mean, overall, it's been pretty smooth, but there have definitely been some hard, hard moments with it that I'm still, I'm very much in the middle of still right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, it's so painful when friends that you've had for a long time suddenly don't understand where you are in your life now and whether that's because of your sexuality or like spiritual awakening or we've all had this on different levels Mm -hmm. um it's so painful and I think for people like us who are like really sensitive and loving and open and wide open hearts it's so extra painful so I want to acknowledge that because I'm sure that's been really tough and sometimes I think these, you know, these experiences come along in our lives Mm -hmm. to show us who's supposed to be in our lives. Something I'm still trying to believe myself, but it's true. Yeah. And just, I mean, on that note of the connection between spirituality and sexuality is so funny because I do feel that way with like true, like really talking about even just, you know, here is a safe space to talk about anything spiritual. That is yes. the entire container you have created so that I could say, yeah, I talk to plants sometimes and I'm working on not actually consuming plants and channeling their spirit and we can go there. But with a lot of people that is also very off-putting, you know, to like really be your full spiritual self too. And that feels like a coming out in and of itself, you know, to say, oh yeah, I see spirits or I channel Pleiadians, you know, I'm sure you can relate to that. I'm so happy that you said that because (laughs) I feel that way. I don't know what it's like to come out sexually, but I feel like I'm coming out all the time. I'm like, I talk to aliens and like, now I'm kind of putting that stuff on my TikTok, which it's not like I even have a following on TikTok, but like my nieces are on there, my cousins. And I'm like, okay, so these like little kids who... I've known their whole life or in my family are probably going to say to me one day, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Um, And so I'm like, do, am I ready to like, you know, bring that spiritual side of myself into my family and off of like, even my Instagram, I consider to be a safe place because even though so many people look at it, people from college, people from high school, which semi horrifies me when I think about it, way easier to talk to people who you don't know personally. I've just been doing it for so long there that it's so normal. So to like come out of the spiritual closet on these other platforms or in other ways 
or even like with the world that we live in now and all these polarizing ideas and opinions and really, really, really strong, violent opinions, um, Mm -hmm. which I am struggling with. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what to say, what not to say, where to say it. It's so vulnerable and it's so hard. Mm-hmm. So to do that on any level and all levels is part yeah. of awakening. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the coming out process. It's just revealing your whole self, you know, so that could be spiritually, sexually, whatever it may be. And it is, it applies to everyone really. It's just very focused on with sexuality, but it, yeah, it happens. I mean, for me, I feel more I don't know if shame is the right, I didn't feel a lot of shame coming out with my sexuality, but I felt more maybe just hesitation with the spiritual stuff than I did with the sexuality stuff. And like you said, especially in the world we're in right now, where if you do even just talk about a certain thing spiritually, then it's automatically associated that, oh, you're, you're in this camp, you're on this side. This is what you, they assume everything that you believe, even though you just shared this one little, no, I just talked to aliens not related to what you're doing so yeah so it makes it scary it's so hard well that's what's so hard about labels like Mm -hmm. you can talk to aliens or you can do this or do that and that doesn't mean that you are then okay this type of person who has this set of beliefs and you belong with these people it's ridiculous yeah so black and white mm -hmm. totally so, yeah, I mean, it's such a beautiful experience, your relationship. And when you talk about her, you just light up <laughs> and it's so fun to see. I love love and I yeah. love witnessing people in love. And when are you guys getting married? So I don't know. Things are a little bit question mark right now because so we are also opening a retreat center in Nicaragua. We're building a place right now and that's where we're getting married. So on the venue logistics side of things, as well as just things happening globally and politically in the country, we're thinking of potentially postponing it a little bit longer than we had initially planned, just so things are a little less charged. And, you know, I don't want to be stressed out on my wedding day. I just want it to be this very relaxed, beautiful moment. So we're getting married relatively soon but right now we're just focusing on building the venue which was a big undertaking oh that's a huge undertaking (laughs) not many people can say that they're building their wedding venue yeah and that's so cool I can't wait to come to your retreat center yes oh my gosh amazing you and the babe you guys Uh, I'm dreaming of it I can't wait and We both have a special connection to the number 11. I can't not talk about this. (laughs) Your birthday, right, is May 11th Mm -hmm. and I'm October 11th. And Alex, so my fiance is March 11th. Our dog is November 11th. So we're getting married on an 11. We do. You have that. to. You have that's, to. And the non married on 11.02 because uh, I loved those numbers. And I just keep feeling like my baby might be born on an 11th, even though that is not and the that'd be 111, wouldn't it? It could be 111 or it could be 1211, depending on if he's earlier, if he's late. I don't know if my doctor would let me go all the way until January 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, if I've not already given birth, we'll see. I'm like so excited because, you know, because yes. numbers are just so special yes. and I'm just so interested to see. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> 
Yes, me too. So I'm going to ask you some of the rapid fire questions that I ask everyone who comes on. I'm just pulling them up. What are your sun, rising, and moon signs? So my sun is Taurus. My moon is Pisces. And my rising is Aquarius. Oh my God. Okay, so we're both Aquarius rising. That might account for a lot of things. <laughs> All our weirdness. Yeah, and Jonathan is a Pisces moon. I oh, love really? Pisces moons. It's so special. Like we're so soft, so yeah, soft. Truly, I'm like, wow. I actually married someone more sensitive than me. I didn't think that was possible, but it's totally the Pisces moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my fiance is a Pisces sun. So we have a a big psychic connection in the Pisces realm. Yes, that's so special. Uh, Do you know your human design? I'm a manifester. Manifester, love it. And what are your favorite foods? Oh, that's hard. I mean, currently every type of berry. We joke that I'm like on a berry diet. It's all I crave right now. It's like I love every single kind of berry. I'm a big fruit person. Anything, dragon fruit, berries, cherries, all summer fruits right now are just like my heaven. So probably anything in that realm. Yum. Fruit is the best. I'm obsessed. That's why Bali and Kauai are incredible because you can live off of those incredible Mm -hmm. tropical fruits. Mm -hmm. Who is your inspiration? That's hard. I'm like, in which realm? Like the yoga realm? My, Of course, my parents are, you know, big figures to me. Someone who I, I don't know if I feel that she's an inspiration, but I love following her and consuming her content and everything is Glennon Doyle. I think she's hilarious. And I love, I love her dynamic with Abby and I could see so much of Alex and I in that and just the conversations that she starts and everything. I really admire her. I love her so much. I love what she posts about her relationship too. Yeah. Jonathan is the Abby 100%. I'm the one leaving my toothpaste open, all that. I love the stuff she posts. Yeah, they're so cute. Totally. And she's such a good writer. Oh, yeah. Such a good writer. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you were a color, what color best represents your energy? It changes. This week, it's been very purpley very like not a dark purple but kind of like a foggy purple almost that's what's been coming through this week oh love it coffee or tea 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 girl <laughs> yes well coffee is very stimulating and you yeah. stimulants are a lot <laughs> yeah. are you a night person or a morning person that also kind of changes it's it's most regularly morning but lately I've been staying up later and enjoying it Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, I'm more of like a day person. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And what's on the horizon for you? What's coming up that you're excited about? Yeah, so opening the retreat center is a big one and getting that finished, which should be pretty soon in the next few months. And I'm launching an app in a couple of weeks, which will be Ooh. super exciting. So all of my yoga content will be on there. I've been filming a ton for that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. All the that's good stuff. So exciting. I can't yeah. wait to get your app. Yeah. Does it have does it have a name? It's just gonna be my name. So kalala.app. And yeah, it's just gonna be yoga, meditation, and I'll have 
sometimes I'll put recipes and things like that on there, but really I created a 30 day series. You would actually love it because it has a ton of different recipes in it, journal prompts and other exercises and practices off the mat as well. Just like little things people can integrate. And we're working with a mantra every week. So all the classes are centered around that mantra based on the chakras. And it's just like a very holistic yoga experience instead of just being a workout, even though mm-hmm. it will still be challenging physically, but it's just very me. So that I love sounds it. Incredible. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Hey, that's amazing. And tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, kind of the hub, Kayla La Nielsen. And on there, you can find all of my links, anything else, you know, my podcast, my retreats, my app classes, all of that kind of stuff. If you want to learn more with me. Yay. Amazing. I'm so happy that we got to do this. I'm in awe of everything that you are. I'm in awe of our similarities. Like, I mean, blonde yogi v <laughs> alpha fee um from sacramento area into ayahuasca dealt with lyme disease the list goes way on way on english majors elevens yeah. um and it's so special to connect with you and to learn more about you and i'm just so thankful that you came on yeah thank you so much for having me it was so fun so fun All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kayla. She is so amazing. She's my soul twin out there. We have so many similarities, but also incredible, unique differences in the sense that I feel like I learned so much from her. She's so wise. She is that Taurus energy. She's so grounding. And I'm just so happy to introduce her to you guys. If you were not already a fan, you got to go follow her. And if you're already a fan, thank you guys for making sure that I met her. You guys, our TBB listeners know when I'm really going to hit it off with someone, you're never wrong. And you were totally right. I am so happy to have had her on. And I also want to thank our sponsors for today's show, Sakara Life, Beta Brand, and Organifi. You can use the discount codes in the show notes. You can always find those in the show notes to get discounts. I truly use these products all the time. And I'm so grateful for these brands keeping this show going and really making my life um, more mobile so that I can spend more time traveling and with my family. And you've probably noticed I don't really do any Instagram ads anymore, any branded Instagram photos. And that's because of these incredible brands that I am hyper, super picky with. So I hope that you enjoy them because I really pick them tailored to what I use and what I know that you guys will love as well. And if you feel inspired to rate and review the show on iTunes, send me a screenshot to jordanatthebalancefont.com so I can thank you by sending you my free yoga ebook. And I'm always sending you guys so much love. I hope you have such a soul on fire day and we'll talk soon.